0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keno the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers
1: and writers.
0: Hello, everybody. It is September the 18th, 2023, a Monday. Monday being. Uh, A day just before new books come out. Uh, 18 months ago, I did a great show with Gary John Bishop on coping with whatever challenges life throws your way. Gary is a very successful author and life coach. His book back then was called Love Unfucked, Getting Your Relationship Shit Together. It did very well. I'm not sure if it was a New York Times bestseller. Certainly his Previous book, Unfuck Yourself, Getting Out of Your Head and Into Your Life, was a huge bestseller, over 25,000 uh, 25, ratings, almost all five stars on Amazon, which is quite an achievement. They can't all be from Gary. Um, meanwhile, it seems as if Gary himself has, so to speak, grown up. He has a new book out, Grow Up, Becoming the Parent Your Kids Deserve, and Gary is joining us from just south of Munich, um, where he is being a good parent. He's with his two sons who are trying to make it as professional footballers. Uh, Gary, have you grown up taking the F word out of the title of your new book?
1: I don't know, but uh, I still enjoy the word. um, But uh, I I took a slightly different tactic this time. Uh, When I first came out with Unfuck Yourself and Love Unfucked, There weren't a lot of those books around. Now it seems like everybody wants to join in that. So I'll take another little sidestep and pursue a different direction for a while. Jimmy Johnson, Gary. That's right. What a player.
0: Yeah, well, we were just talking before. Gary is a follower of Glasgow Celtic, one of the great football clubs, truly great football clubs. And in 1967, they had a very tricky little winger called Jimmy Johnson. What, they won
1: the European Cup? They did. They won the big one, the Big Year Cup. They, they been
0: into Milan, and they had, well, all the players were from, what, 100 yards of Ibrox? Not Ibrox. <laughs> 30, Ibrox?
1: 30 miles of, uh, of Celtic Park.
0: So, anyway, that's another story, another show, Gary. Big so, time. tell me about this book. I remember last time we talked, we had a very fun conversation. I think we were on a similarly, slightly, uh, uh, uh dis, uh, disruptive wavelength but you, you talked a little bit about parenting and i got the sense that you were a very serious parent so why yeah. did you decide to write this book uh, grow up becoming the parent your kids deserve it sounds like a very un gary john bishop kind of book
1: um, a couple of different reasons it, it cannot when you get any of the work, work that way that i do or from my perspective a lot of it includes looking towards the past. And when, when you get to the subject of parenting, uh, there's, people do look towards the past, but they only look towards it for two things. That is, they're either going to repeat the way that they were raised, or they're going to do the opposite of that. They're going to mm-hmm. try and overcome it. And <clears throat> there's a lot of conversation around social media and in traditional media, but breaking this notion of a generational chain. And there's a kind of arrogance in that, I guess, which kind of stuck in my throat a little, because every generation has tried to break a chain. <laughs> you know, This generation seems to think they're coming up with something new. Um, and they'll fail at it like every other generation did, um, because there's so many underlying features that are just getting ignored because people think you can break a gen- a generational chain circumstantially you can't you you're about to do with your children what your parents did with theirs and your children will take from their childhood basically what you did from yours so i wanted to get underneath that and start to explode that myth and and start to get some some reality on the table for people do we can we use g- generational
0: uh analysis, if if you like, uh, Gary, to make sense of parenting, it seems as if I'm a late gen, X uh, uh, boomer, you're probably relatively similar age. Um, m- my parents, generation, and I, I know it's easy to make generalizations didn't seem to be particularly interested parents or engaged parents they didn't involve themselves dramatically with my upbringing. My generation seems to have reacted dramatically and are massively involved in the parenting
1: of their children. Is there any truth to that in in generational terms? I think what you're witnessing is that thing that I'm talking about, that we're either going to repeat what our parents did or we're going to do the opposite. Um, And so you watched it in a kind of wide sway. That became the thing, you know, because there were there were so many people came out of that era from their parents were born you know just pre World War Two or just post World War <clears> Two, <throat> um, you know their parents came from an era you know early nineteen hundreds World War One, and um, those were very those are very different times culturally, but the important thing to understand is that. What, we've, what each generation is focused on has been this kind of trying to make this circumstantial change. That is, I didn't have this, so you're going to have it. I had this, you're not going to have that. So it's, it's, it actually doesn't get to the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter is has got a lot to do with the process of growing up, which is the same for all of us. Although the story and the narrative is very different, the mechanisms that are at play are are the same and and I really feel that if you if you understand the mechanism is going on you'll be a lot more empowered as a parent but you might be a lot more empowered about your own so do you think
0: you, our generation gary people with kids in their late teens early 20s have we do, do we think we failed as parents whether or not we have and as you suggest the idea of failing <clears throat> as a parent is probably itself a problematic idea but does our generation have confidence in ourselves as parents or is that lack of confidence why you decided to write this book and of course in a sense you're feeding off that lack of confidence because uh you are you are promising with this book that you can become the parent your kids deserve i'm not sure whether kids deserve good parents but
1: that's another subject (laughs) another book probably um, I think the interesting thing is, and, and this was definitely, I first noticed this myself as a parent. And then as, a, as I did a lot of work on myself, you know, through my late thirties, and early forties, um, I started to realize there were a lot of pretenses in my life. And as I became a parent, one of the big pretenses for a parent is the pretense that, you know, what you're doing. <laughs> um, and, in the background of that is, well, I don't know what I'm doing and the worry and the anxiety of that for a lot of parents. So the pretense is one of the first things that I wanted to bust the door open on. I wanted to say to people, look, if you, if you want to really get to the heart of the matter here and really be freed up to kind of parent the way that you would really love to parent, um, then you'll have to, you know, cut through a bunch of the junk, um, so which includes stuff like you know, fear, because most of what we do as parents is to avoid stuff happening, not to make things happen. Um, And then the other point being, you know, like um, this pretense, this kind of underlying pretense, and and we're literally pretending to our children that, you know, I've got it together and I know what I'm doing. And the truth is, when you're a parent, you're learning as you go, you're trying to build the airplane as you're flying it. (laughs) And, and, and you're looking at, the, you know, whoever made the mistakes in your childhood, trying to, trying to work out a strategy to kind of get this together. And some parents are reading books and magazines and watching videos and all kinds of stuff. Um, and, and I wanted to get people away from that, you know, trying to trying to like parenting hacks or nonsense like that. You know, and you start to get people grounded in what's driving you, what's shaping you. And, and then I also wanted people to get a, a good look at the process, right? Because I insist you can't really attack this parent thing until you look at three generations, until you look at your parents and the way they were raised, you and the way you were raised, and then to see what it might be like to be a child of yours. Um, and then you might actually see something at work. The yeah, other...
0: Added complication here is it seems to me. I mean, maybe I'm, and we all make generalizations on our own children and universalize them. Maybe that's accurate or not. But these kids seem to have pretty good judgment on us. They can see through us. So you you can't cheat with kids they know exactly what the parents are up to we may not know what the kids are up to but they know what we're up to is this a generational thing too gary that the kids are much smarter than they used to be
1: actually no uh, it's been it's, it's it's actually part of the process i think people we don't get this we don't get that your child there goes up there's a point in and i've got a bunch of quotes in this book um there's one by Oscar Wilde, actually, I forget the exact wording of the quote, but it's something like, you know, um, there comes a point when your child, your children will see their childhood and they might forgive you for it or something like that. Right? It's kind of along those lines. But, but the really interesting part for me is there's a part in every child's process where obviously their parent is the hero or the heroine, right? Like it's like, oh, like my mom or my dad. Then there's a part in that where where the judgment starts to kick in and they're judging. And so I talk about this in the book. I talk about how the role changes where the child is, is actually in this life and, a, and playing in this life and growing in this life. And then there's actually a time in their young life, somewhere between maybe let's say between 9 and 13, about then, when they, when they actually start to shift into the observer seat And they're actually, they're not in being parented. They're now watching. They're now observing being parented. That is part of like a natural process. You know, obviously my perspective is, you know, philosophically like through ontology, there's a disconnect in their fundamental way of being, the way they relate to their parent. And it's quickly followed by this kind of world of cynicism where no matter what the parent does, there seems to be this kind of cynical view taken, um, and and this disconnect is very real. Sometimes it's really wide between the parent and, and their and their children, and sometimes maybe not quite as noticeable, but it's there. But if if you ask parents, they they know they can kind of experience these times where there's these little changes in their children as they're developing, and um, so so they actually be observed by maybe somebody who's 10 or 12 who can see through your shtick because you know they they're not encumbered by the same sort of nonsense we are as adults so they can get keyed into it like real quick
0: yeah i mean the way you put it seeing through the shtick is 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 a good summary um this seems, and again, maybe I'm making generalizations. This, the, the kids these days are quite harsh towards their parents. You hear stories of kids being very critical of their parents and getting to their core. Sometimes not talking to them, separating themselves. This seems to be very new. Do you think our generation gave our kids, uh, the, the the our generation gave our parents too much credit, whereas the kids are our generation don't give their parents enough credit. I mean, anyone can see through anyone's stick. We all have stick. That's the nature of things. That's what life is. Uh, yeah. And the kids have as much stick as the parents.
1: Well, I think you have to understand. So first of all, no, it's not new. It's actually not new. It might be what might've shifted a little culturally is, is the freedom to express it. But, but it's not new. I mean, if, you know, if, if you go to somewhere like India or, or perhaps even Taiwan, where culturally it's not okay to express your upset about your parents. So what you're left with is people who are upset with their parents, but a lot of deep seated resentment. Now, again, it's not across the whole country, but culturally it's kind of accepted. No, you don't criticize your parents. So I think there was some of that, of course. Um, and, and, and the places like the UK or the US or, or other places maybe in Western Europe, culturally, you know, you maybe not do it. So I think there's a certain freedom, but but you know, just go back to the era of let's say the 1950s or the 1960s. I mean, people w- were rebelling against the way they were being raised. They were rebelling against you know the kind of society that their parents had created, and um, and they were very vocal about it. Maybe not directly all the time with their parents but but socially like absolutely you know make but but I see this is the other thing about this this is what I want people to understand what we're talking about are like the kind of natural phases that people go through that we think are circumstantial like there's a point in, in everyone's young life when you're supposed to disconnect you're actually supposed to forge ahead with your own life you have to find some justification for that. You have to like, oh yeah, it's better for me to be outside of this than in it. And um, so I wanted, because a lot of families get really messed up by that. They're really messed up by like their 18, 19, 20 year old kids saying, I'm done. I'm out. I want to go live my own life. And so there's a part in there for parents that want me to get, yeah, that's right. That's what they're kind of supposed to do. And they might want to do it in an upset. They might want to do that. And that's okay too. Um, I, I, rather than digging a deeper hole, it might be time for you to take a breath and just kind of accept that this might be part of their process. We
0: are talking with Gary John Bishop, the author of a really interesting new book without the F word, Grow Up. Uh, he's clearly grown up. Uh, becoming the parent your kids deserve. We're going to take a short break now, Gary. Thank our sponsor, Liberties Quarterly, an excellent new quarterly journal of culture and politics. Going to run a short video about them, and then we'll be back to talk exactly about how we can indeed grow up and become better parents. So don't leave us, anyone.
1: Beyond the news, the noise, there is nuance, insight. Liberties is not just a journal of ideas, it's a meteor of intelligent substance. It's the place to be for engaged citizens, politics, opinion, substance. Liberties is a triumph for freedom of thought, a quarterly of urgency, of cultural exploration, of intellectual delight, of immaculate prose. It's invaluable. Subscribe now or find Liberties at your favorite bookseller.
0: You can find out more about Liberties at libertiesjournal.com and as well as subscribing to this excellent new publication. So, Uh, We are talking with Gary John Bishop, the author of Grow Up, a new book on parenting. Gary, uh, can anyone be a good parent? Are some people simply incapable of it?
1: Um, It's a kind of tough one to answer. Um, I think if I was going to take a stab at that, though, I might say, well, I think if you knew how much you were encumbered or the degree to which you had a say in how encumbered you were, and when it comes to this area of parenting, um, then there's a lot more freedom available for people, uh, and I think there's a lot more peace of mind available for people, and a lot more certainty available for people. Um, but but that's why that's why this book I feel as if it was so critical. Even you know I've been saying it for a while now. You don't even need to be a parent to read this book because so much of it is simply about the phenomenon that it is. And 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 how important it is that that we, whether it's people of my age or forty or thirty or twenty or whatever whatever phase you are at in your life, to start to understand like what's at stake, um, not only for you, but if you ever choose to become a parent, what's at stake for your children and your grandchildren. And you know, it's like it's important to understand you know, it's, we're, we're all singing from the same songbook, but we're not all singing the same song.
0: And that songbook seems increasingly Gary to be dominated by anxiety. Uh, the kids are very anxious. Lots of shows we've done on the anxiety of, of people's so young women, social media. Again, you don't need me to tell you about this. Um, how is anxiety shaping or reshaping parents? It seems as if parents are anxious. They're particularly anxious about being good parents. So yeah. uh, in the old days, parents would come back, have a martini. And that was their—that was what being a good parent was and switching the TV on and telling the kids to go outside. Uh, these days, parents worry about being good parents. Is that anxiety a good thing? Is it necessary?
1: Um, I think it's often misplaced. Um, I think with increased knowledge comes the potential for increased awareness Um, and increased awareness can often lead to, you know, like increased concern for what could and might happen. And I think that's maybe something people will get some relief from with this book because I want people to understand, like, what you take out of your childhood isn't quite simply, you know, well, here's what happened. It's, it really is the case of, you know, and I quote Sartre, the French existentialist in this, you know, we, we add meaning to everything. And when we're really, really young, we were 8, 9, 10, 12, 14, 18. The events of our childhood have have an impact on us for sure, but what has the biggest impact is, in fact, not the events, but but what we made them mean. And that's the under, that's part of the underlying theme that I want people to see. Like, that's what your parents did. That's what you did. And that's what your children are going to do. You can do whatever you want. And you can try to do this and influence them this way and that way. But they're going to make that mean whatever they're going to make that mean. And you have no say in that. <laughs> like, None. Because at a very fundamental level, they, they're not even particularly conscious of doing that, but they are. Um, and, the, and again, the more you can understand that, then I think people will get an opportunity to relax a little um, when it comes to, because there is a lot of walking on eggshells, parenting going on, and it is, it's not helpful. It's not it's helpful at all. certainly
0: not helpful for parents or children Business school professors, Gary, have been telling us for years that we need to learn to fail and that failing yeah. is good and you fail upwards. And the more you fail, the more risks you take. I just had a Harvard professor on with a an FT book of the year talking about the importance of taking risks and failing. Uh, and the idea is you fail enough times and eventually you figure out how to succeed. With yeah. parenting, though, is, is, is the idea of failing attractive? I mean, once you fail as a parent, if you do a really bad job, say, between for, for a kid, as a parent with a kid, I don't know, between ages 5 and 10. Yeah. Dreadful parent, if you make every mistake in the book. Yeah. You can't just unfail that because you're dealing with someone else's
1: life. Yeah. Some of those business professors, by the way, their parents did pretty crappy jobs between 5 I and 10. I can imagine Right, and <laughs> and the, like as parents. some of the captains of industry had particularly horrific childhoods, and some of the world's most successful musicians and athletes. And so, that is to say, um, there's as a parent you can do the job that you feel that you're equipped to do, but you have to remember too a lot of parents, and this is one of the things that I reconciled for myself, and I was probably in my early 40s that you know my mom and my dad never had the power of insight they never had that they, they had very little by way of of uh personal reflection like they just it was it was a complete blind spot like it was this was all unseen for them so how how could i sit there as an adult now looking back and saying well, you screwed my life up or you it was absurd at that point um and so you know, you are going to get it wrong as a parent. You will get it wrong. And that's, again, but another you, big thing uh, I want people to get.
0: But it's rather like trying to put an expensive Chinese vase together, perhaps. I mean, if you break that vase, you can stick the pieces together, but it, it, it's, it's not the vase in the first place. If you make mistakes and you, so to speak, and I use this word carefully, maybe it's the wrong word to use, and you damage your child, yeah, then
1: what? Then, then you should uh, go a deep dive into, uh, again, that thing that Sartre said is having them understand meaning. That is, let's look at what happened. Now, what are you making that mean? And what are you making it mean about yourself? And what are you making it mean about me? And what are you making it mean about life itself? that kind of thinking is missing, like it's not there. And in fact, what we tend to do in those sort of situations is say, well, you know, we get indignant and say, well, I did the best I could, you know, or we become apologetic, you know, and which is okay. Again, I'm not criticizing that, but what I'm, but what I want people to understand is the only two methods that people have got of coming out of a crappy childhood is either you're going to be, you're going to be the recovering victim. And I talk about this in the book. You're either going to be the recovering victim. That's one approach that you can take. Or you'll be the repentant sinner. So that is, you mm. did something. And so what I and want to do. And often a mix
0: of the two, or you combine the two. And you
1: can. And you, absolutely. You can be, you can, one can bleed into another, right? But I, but I really want people to understand, like, all of it is rooted in one thing, right? And, and it, this reaches back to what you talked about earlier we're a society who are absolutely high on the notion of who's to blame. Like we are getting off on it. We are like perpetuating that we are feeding the beast. We are constantly head on a swivel, trying to get to the bottom of who did it and who did it and who did it and who did it. And And none of it solves anything. And so um, I, I spent a significant portion of this book, actually nailing this whole blame thing to the wall and saying, look, if you want to get anywhere in your life, you have to realize that blame is the single, the one single anchor to the past. There is no way out of the past. You don't get to keep your blame and be free, whether you're blaming yourself, blaming somebody else, blaming a situation. It is the anchor to the past. And and so, but if you confront, for instance, your own childhood, and you're able to take the blame out and look at it, and then keep taking it out every time it comes up. It's actually real. It's a lot more simple to free yourself up from whatever constraint you might have taken from that. But actually, you teach other people how to deal with too. Like, you know, I, I, my children. I like to think of them as robust, and I like to think of them as as vulnerable and loving. Like they can have it all. Um, and, and where they where they get a sense of that is from me. I don't, you know, I'm, I tell them the truth about myself when I've failed. I don't burden them with it, but I let them know I don't get it right all the time.
0: Maybe the subtitle of the book should be "Grow um, Grow Up, Becoming the Kid Your Parents Deserve. You seem to be suggesting that you turn parenting into, I don't know, a mix of therapy and Uh, existential seminars in which everyone reads Jean-Paul Sartre?
1: I I think everybody could be doing a little bit of Sartre on their life from time to time. Um, I I think there are some very human things that that tend to get overlooked in the drama of our day-to-day lives. And, um, you know, one one of the things that we talk about uh, frequently in terms of people being being a great parent or, or parenting in a way that's more reflective of who they are. And we hear this a lot, this notion of forgiveness of, you know, like being able to forgive yourself or maybe being able Mm. to forgive your parents or seeking forgiveness. And it's, it's not always, it's not always an easy thing to come by uh, simply because, you know, um, whenever we feel like forgiveness is the way out of something, we kind we of, we tend to get a little tighter because we feel as if it maybe lets somebody or something off the hook. And um, so no, I really wanted this book to be laid out in such a way that people could see, oh, like maybe see something from their own life or maybe their own past that is way more, if you like, handleable, like it could be viewed and handled in a different way But then the same with their own parenting, like how one bleeds into the other, Um, you know, because people say this all the time, you know, I never appreciated how tough it was to be a parent until I became one, you know, and then I see my own parents in a different light. Um, And so it's a big, big challenge. Um, And it requires a degree of, you know, uh, personal, personal forgiveness and personal sacrifice from time to time. But it also requires like a, a, you know, you're going to have to be the calm head in the room most of the time because it's not all, it's the cavalry ain't coming.
0: (laughs) The cavalry certainly isn't coming. From my point of view, it's the most difficult job I've ever had. For sure. The most um, unforgiving job. Uh, And you're not, as you say, you're not prepared for it. I mean, in a sense, I guess your book is preparing people. That's right. uh, but people, I mean, the idea. I'm sure you're not a big fan of parenting classes.
1: No, I, it's 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 like it's like someone presenting you with the shell of a Lamborghini, but all you've got is the is the engine of an old, you know, Triumph Stag. Virtual, right.
0: Yeah, or it's a virtual Lamborghini. It looks right. good, but it's You not don't. Yeah.
1: It's like you're putting you're, you might put some great tools in somebody's hands, but but this person has never addressed what this is. and and this is what this is a big part of this book is for people who finally crack the code of themselves through looking at their their own parents and looking at their own children and seeing like these very familiar echoes that that just pass through. And, and to see them perhaps in a different lens, not a psychological lens, not a behavioral lens lens particularly, but to really look at it more like, oh, like I can see how I came out of my childhood with something of my own making. And my parents clearly did that too. So what do you think is going to happen with your kids?
0: And in a way, Gary, it's not...
1: I mean, as you said, there's always cultural
0: misunderstandings. We're always reacting against. We're always, we're always fighting the previous war when it comes to parenting. We're always trying to learn from our previous mistakes. So every new generation's going to be different. I wonder whether I always took it for granted that my kids and the the kids of the, the other kids of my parents, uh, the my kids' generation, they would all violently react against us. They'd want to be different. But one of the things that I find so weird about this generation is they don't want to be different. They want to be like us. And nothing is weirder to me than anyone wanting
1: to be like me. (laughs) Um I, I sometimes see that my oldest son. I'll see a little, he, he sometimes, you know, again echoes some of the stuff that I've said and done. And I'm like, no, don't <laughs> like, don't do that.
0: Don't be like me. <laughs> don't
1: do that. Which I guess is a little insulting, right? Because they're clearly the things that he was drawn to. But I think what you're pointing to is um, you know, our children or children, and I and I remember this from being one, right. Um, yeah, but we they don't necessarily listen, but they do I watch.
0: They don't listen
1: well, no, but they do watch, they observe,
0: right? You know, well, they can like, see through it, as you say, they see through the right. shit. so right.
1: they can and they see can, the
0: difference between what you say and what
1: you do, right? And so, but then they see the way you love, and they see the way you care, and they see the way you recover from knocks and they see how you handle adversity and they they're observing and observing and observing and um and and they're adopting whatever appeals to them right they're discarding and adopting whatever appeals to them that's why people say well that was the way i was raised and i'll say no that was part of the way you were raised that you adopted the rest you just like no i'm not couldn't care for that don't care about that, but those things I'm going to adopt those things. And so I did want people to get a sense more of that conscious part of development, right? Like to see their own childhood in a new light, but also for them, for also for them, again, like to get that sense of like, it'll, it'll work out, like this will work out for you. As long as you don't lose your mind about it, like your kid's going to get through some tough spots. It's okay. You got to be steady you got to stay true to some of the principles that I talk about in the book. Um, and, and sometimes that's another thing we do as parents, you know, like, like your kid does something and immediately your mind races forward 10 years or 15 years. And all you can see is the state penitentiary. Right.
0: Yeah. And
1: sometimes it's just an upset or something that happened at school and you have to treat it accordingly. Well, final
0: question, uh, Gary. Um, the other thing about parenting is it never ends, does it? I mean, you, your kids are slightly younger than mine, but I guarantee you, the older they get, the more complicated parenting seems to become. It should can we? Be... Uh, I mean, I mean, is this another illusion?
1: It can be because we always feel like we're on the hook for how they are, or mm. or their happiness.
0: So parents should they just let go when a kid becomes? When they get to their early or mid twenties, you just say, "Look, I've done everything I can, and it's your life, and there's not
1: much I can do now." Um, I don't know if I would be quite in that spot, but but you know, like one of the things that you know, I tell my children this now. You know, like it's not my job to make you happy. It's not. That's your job. It's your job to be happy. That's what you want, and you got to generate that for yourself. But sometimes we can find ourselves getting on the hook for that as parents. But, but one of the things that I'll say to my son, you know, my older boy, I'll say, look, I'm not going to stand by and watch you make like a disastrous mistake. I will say something. But there are other, there are other mistakes you're going to make that you're just going to have to make them. <laughs> and um, I'm here to support you and I love you and my door is always open to you. And I'm always, 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 always here for you no matter what happens. But but I can't live this life for you. You're going to have to go and get burned a few times. And and but I'm here and I got your back.